Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the AccuWeather Podcast, Everything Under the Sun. I'm your host, meteorologist Regina Miller. I'm joined in the studio by my producer extraordinaire, Andy Robb. Oh, extraordinaire. Did we hire somebody like new? <laughs> he starts laughing before I can even say hello. Yeah, well, Andy. I tell you. And Ken Prowl, our director of audio services. Hi, Ken. Hi, how are you? I am good. I am good. <laughs> so, hey guys, coming off a significant weekend of storms in the northeast and My you know back still hurts. were you at shoveling, shoveling do you yes. have a snowblower no i oh, do it really? old-fashioned do I'm you out really? there with the shovel. All right, that is like not Until my good. neighbor comes down and plows me out. <laughs> you just try to look pitiful <laughs> exactly. long enough for your neighbor to take over. <laughs> so anyway, we did have a, a major storm here in the Northeast. And you know, one of the things that I think is so difficult about forecasting in the Northeast is the very same things that made Boston, New York City, major population hubs. The fact that they're ports. Mm-hmm. They're right next to the ocean. Yeah. It's a great thing for commerce, right? It's a great thing. That's why we have so many people living there. The problem with winter forecasting is that always invariably ends up being like where your rain snow line is. It's one of the most difficult places, I would venture to say, to forecast snow in the country. So, you know what? I thought I'm going to ask an expert from New York City. So we have brought in for today's podcast Lee Goldberg, uh, meteorologist, chief meteorologist from WABC in New York. Take a listen to Lee on the air. This is the second biggest snowstorm ever to hit Central Park in November. We average close to six inches in New York City and a huge swath of six to 12 inch snows off to the north and west and impressive amounts all the way down to the coast. We're sitting down with him as well as our own AccuWeather meteorologist, Dave Dombeck, and we're going to be talking about winter forecasting and how they kind of come up with a plan to attack these storms. I got to say, I'm really excited about this because, you know, you always watch your, your local TV news, the weather report comes on, and you see your local meteorologist, and you wonder what goes into getting all that information. Who do they work with to get that information out to so many viewers? So, of course, to kick this off, like you said, the one and only Lee Goldberg from ABC7 in New York going right. to be joining us. Right, and I'm very impressed because he really believes in a collaborative approach mm-hmm. because I've worked with some meteorologists, chiefs who are like my way or the highway. You were telling me some stories. I know, I know. And I really <laughs> like, I know, I like the fact that he is willing to constantly be looking at things, learning. So he's coming up and so is Dave Dombeck, our meteorologist here in just a moment. Well, talking about winter weather and snow forecasting, boy, New York City can be one of the toughest areas, I would argue, on the planet for forecasting when it comes to winter weather. And I'm joined on the phone now by meteorologist Lee Goldberg of WABC. Thanks for joining me today, Lee. My pleasure, Regina. Uh, We're we're doing this during the the coldest snap of the winter here. It's uh, 
about 15 below windchill in New York City, and uh, we're, we're all iced over here after a storm we just went through. Oh, I know. It's miserable. We are, too. And, you know, in the studio with me, I also have meteorologist Dave Dombeck from here at AccuWeather because I know you guys know each other really well. You've had a lot of years of working together, so uh, Dave's joining me now. How you doing, Lee? We're doing great. We're doing great. I look forward to talking to you after this podcast for another half hour weather discussion. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and, and I was I was telling these guys, I said, you know, you and I have worked uh, with each other. I think we met, what, 96? You started at WABC? Yeah, just missed the blizzard of 96. I was hired in the spring. Went to the Yankees home opener that was not snowed out, but was played in the snow. And I said, oh, I'll probably never work here. And then, of course, a few months later, WABC hired me. You and I uh, have worked together for all those years. Uh, uh, first is, is when you were on the weekends. We worked mm-hmm. together some, and then you... Uh, took the uh, chief uh, meteorologist job there was it 06 i believe uh, good late, memory that's right yeah, yeah late late 06 you're in that position yeah you and i have a have a great uh, relationship i was telling you know it's like we've worked with each other so long that there are days when you know you know what i'm going to say before i even say it we, we we just know each other so well it's it's that it's that rapport that we've developed you know your station wabc and accuweather obviously we've built up that strong relationship and rapport now, there's, a, there's a special collaboration i think there's an incredible mutual respect and i think you've seen it in the success of both operations accuweather and wabc i mean that's why we're at the top no doubt about it and i there's the funny stories like i i remember a few years ago in deer season i was on my in, in the woods you know up in my deer stand and i was texting and you about you know some thoughts about the storm you know <laughs> or I was talking to you on the road you know and who knows where so you and I have a have a great relationship and yeah. and and even even on a quiet day nothing going on just a lottie dog you know a fair weather day we could spend 15 minutes uh, picking apart the details of the forecast well that's part of the fun of meteorology you know you yeah. take the simplest day and that may be some of the the greatest challenges is uh, making that type of day and forecast sing on air so this collaboration helps with that well and that uh brings me to my question about this past weekend storm it was a busy weather weekend to say the least but i want to talk to you about the challenges of this week's storm for example and just trying to forecast rain snow lines some of the issues that you face in new york city but what did it look like for both of you looking at this a uh, few days out? You know, this weekend's forecast started 10 days ago. And, you know, there's the demand for that information once the chatter begins about the storm. And I'm, I'm sure we'll get into discussions of, you know, how that demand has changed since we first collaborating in 96. It's, it's a whole different animal now. But, you know, we have such a vast area and, and different topography and elevation, and you have the ocean. So, you know, the tri-state area is uh, super challenging in that way. So then when you're going to throw a storm that, you know, throws the kitchen sink at you and you want to get the message across to that type of area and give the best detail to your viewers that you can, I mean, you, you just, you can't turn your back on the forecast because you you have to be vigilant of all the details in order to stay on top of it. So it's it's super challenging. Well, and I can see that because the storm started in California. And so people were already wanting to know about this storm when it reached the East Coast, what it was going to do. And so that has to be tough because they have the information coming out that a storm is coming. And so it must be tough that you have to get information out to them so quickly. But there's so many scenarios. 
you know, looking at some of the long-range computer models, we saw the potential for a storm. I mean, we were kind of focusing on that weekend from 10 days out. The models were very much, you know, some said Saturday, some said Sunday, but the theme there for a number of days was that the weekend of the 19th and 20th, there was going to be a storm. And of course, some of the computer models, you know, today with the social media, and you could get, you know, a 12-year-old kid getting some, you know, 240-hour computer model and taking a screenshot and getting it out there, and it, the thing blows up. You know, there's no accountability, and he takes a screenshot of something that shows, you know, 30 inches of snow somewhere. And there's nothing to prevent somebody from doing that in these days. And so the chatter gets out there, uh, the rumors, and then it's like it's like damage control on our end. It's like okay, chill out, let's let's do the reality. What's really going to happen? And it's so many days away. But yeah, it was, when you get those big storms, that message is out there a long time before it actually happens. And what was it like two, three days out? Well, two to three days out, you know, I think that we were looking at this storm and we had to judge. I mean, there was obviously a huge thermal gradient, huge temperature range across the Northeast. Uh, we were going to be sandwiched right in that. The storm took on a colder look, so as we approached the time that we had to release our snowfall forecast, we started just discussing that, looking at the year so far where we had not had many storms, obviously, but the one storm that certainly weighted heavily in the back of our minds was the November storm and the tendency for the cold air to hang tough. Even as we were approaching the storm, the models that were doing the best with the low-level temperatures, the boundary-level temperatures were forecasting, you know, they, they were they had a warm bias. So, you know, our confidence started to grow getting closer to it as some of the mesoscale models or some of the short-range models started to at least, you know, get into their vision that, you know, we, we were going to lean toward that colder solution where we're going to forecast significant snow totals, uh, not too far north and west of New York City, while still obviously allowing for some type of warm nose to come in. And, and that was obviously the big bust potential in the forecast. We, we knew it wasn't going to be a pure snowstorm. And if it was going to, there were so many elements, the storm could come in with a thump with some higher snowfall total rates. One to three hours of additional snowfall period was going to make a huge difference if we were snowing at that type of rate. So how can we convey that to the viewer? So we, we definitely have kind of a protocol which has been very effective for how we tell our viewers you know, day three out, day two out, day one out, um, and how specific we get. And, and that we sort of entered that protocol at that time. So, Exactly. And, and as far as like getting uh, accumulation numbers in, uh, every situation is different. There's no two storms exactly alike. Generally, one we're like, would you say 48 hours, Lee? Uh, you know, you definitely want to have numbers in by that point. Sometimes even 72, but for sure 48 hours out from a storm, you want to be locked in uh, with our, our snowfall uh, accumulation uh, forecast to the different zones. And like Lee said, there's such a, a huge range uh, across the WABC area, ranging from, you know, the Jersey Shore way down in Ocean County uh, to uh, Monticello up, uh, you know, close to the to the Catskills and much higher elevation. So you have such a, a wide variety of uh, terrain uh, and, and conditions. Literally, you could go from an all rain event to over a foot of snow uh, in WABC's uh, coverage area easily on any given storm. Remember, we had two storms to deal with 
leading up to this. So right. we were trying to nail the first sort of minor weather maker, which was, you know, with I remember a time when we were talking about, okay, you know, could the first one have more of an impact because it was time during a commute versus the holiday weekend storm. Mm -hmm. So we were sort of in that mode, yet I, we could tell, I could tell by my coworkers, I could tell by our viewers that they had tunnel vision to the weekend storm. So you know, that was another challenge leading up as we had to have, you know, one eye on one storm and one eye on another. Now, tell me, uh, you talked about some protocols and what was happening right prior to modeling starts changing. How do you start to convey that message? What was happening that was fluctuating even in the, you know, hours and, you know, that day prior? So once we have, you know, a rapidly changing situation in terms of, you know, the indication of the storm track, I mean, let's, well, I mean, let's first start a few days before where, you know, before we typically would issue snow totals, what we would do is, is give you snow probabilities. Right. So we give you percentages as to, okay, here's the percentage of where we think the, the range for the core of the area is going to fall in. That sort of give people like an early call, you know, without putting that banded map on and, and giving them expectations in, in specific areas just yet. And then, of course, as confidence grows, you have to put that map out. Now, that's changed a lot over the years. I mean, when we started, it was, okay, there's a storm coming three days out, uh, 36, 48 hours out, a snowfall map comes out. Maybe you have to change it once and you're going on it. Now it's just the demand. You can't do that. You can't be a weather forecasting outlet and not put out a preliminary map almost 72 hours out. It's tough. It's tough to do that. It's tough to hold off, especially since you've been talking about – you start talking about the storm 10 days out and then you're in no man's land you know, five days out because you can't build upon what you've told people. You can't give any more detail for several days. So, you know, you're in this kind of holding pattern, which can be frustrating for you and frustrating for the viewer. Within hours before the storm, now your challenge is making those changes and having the guts to do it before your competition. So that's what, you know, that's where I think we're super strong. You want to be responsible about changes, but you also don't want to sit on something and sit on getting a message out, especially this particular storm, because you're going into a holiday weekend. When are people going to going to really tune in the most to get their holiday weekend? And Dave and I have always discussed this. A Thursday night forecast is really the most important. Mm -hmm. Thursday night 11, I know that I still have people's attention. Friday is almost too late. So it's very important to get that message out as soon as possible. And we did start reacting to this one very quickly. And then, and then of course, uh, you know, on that Friday night 11, um, you know, I started pulling the trigger on some lower totals and, uh, and other outlets did not. So that, you know, that's a win, even though overall it was very frustrating for last minute for the storm to start looking so, so much warmer so late in the game. Now, do you find, Lee, because, uh, you know, I had done local weather, and do you find that sometimes... Like, so you pull the trigger, you're telling people, look, we're backing this down in amounts, but that because of the age of social media, they don't remember who told them what, and that you can get lumped in where they're like, they said, I always, they. I always they love always the, the they. they said. Oh, gosh, yeah, that's a, that's probably one of the biggest frustrations of being a meteorologist, and not only the age of social media, but even the beginning, it was always kind of a they. Um, in the grocery so, store or whatever. You know. Right, right, but that's, you know, I, I've just sort of understood that that's a battle that 
I'm going to always fight but never win, but I'm always going to scream at the top of my lungs the changes that we have. And what gives me a little bit of sense of comfort is that in an age of all this diluted content, that WABC still has a very large voice in a very big market. So that makes me feel good to know that at least, you know, we are talking to still a very significant number of people and hopefully they can spread the word. I always remember in every storm that I do, I'll always remember Superstorm Sandy because Mm -hmm. that's the biggest impact that our weather team made, you know, certainly in my career and, and maybe ever. And hopefully we don't have a storm like that again. But we saved lives in that storm. We informed in that storm. And in the end, whether you know there's a November storm where we are forecasting one to three that we get three to six, you know that, that will never drown out what we did with that storm. I agree 100% Lee that uh, Sandy uh, was just awesome. I mean, I, I tell people, and it's, it's no exaggeration, probably in 72 hours, I might have slept like five hours. And I know, and you know, that what we did and, and, and all the time and effort in our forecast and getting the, the word out to the public, what we did during that period, we saved lives. And that's just mm-hmm. an awesome feeling. You can't ever compare that to anything. No doubt about it. I'll never, I'll never forget the tone I had that night and that 11 o'clock show before that storm hit. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the issues that you face in New York City that are specifically unique compared to other areas of the country when it comes to winter weather, snow forecasting. I know the proximity to the ocean and wind direction can lead to all sorts of issues because of that rain-snow line being there. Can you talk about some of the issues you face specifically in the New York City area? Well, we have tremendous variation in elevation and, and like you said, proximity to the ocean. So when we go into a storm, especially a, a, a big nor'easter, you're going to get coastal flooding. You're going to get street and urban flooding. You're going to get a rain snow line. You're going to get heavy snowfall. You may get icing. So, I mean, you, you're going to have to cover every element of it. So, you know, just in, in my particular weather cast where my producers are very generous, but let's say it's on average a three-minute weather cast during a storm situation, you know, to jam all that information in is, is very challenging. Uh, that may be the one or one of the few upsides of social media is that you can expand upon that and all the different things that are happening. Uh, but, you know, obviously to keep up with all those little nuances in the area, you've got to know the area. You've got to have a voice like Dave when I talk to him and and increase knowledge about the area, point stuff out that maybe isn't on your radar, no pun intended. Um, (laughs) So 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 that's really you know, that that's really where it comes in. So I I remember the beginning of my career, I used to do live remotes, you know, from all these different places around the area. And I'm so thankful for that, because just to see the different variations, see how the interstates divide the various topography. It's vital. You know, you just have to know your area. And I'm a kid from Boston who couldn't name all the five boroughs in 1990. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's just just knowing this area now, it's, uh, it's, it's invaluable. Well, and having grown up in Boston, too, you run into the same problem there. I was saying along the I-95, that is really, uh, that is always the area where you end up with that line. <laughs> So, Dave, I know you see the behavior because you're looking at the rest of the country on a regular basis as well. Lee Mm -hmm. has that real specific knowledge of the New York City area and Boston having grown up there. Talk about how these storms differ from like a place with more uniformity, for example, in the country with a snowstorm. 
Oh, there's there's no doubt. Um, I mean, if we were forecasting for, let's say, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, or uh, Minneapolis, or whatever, not saying that a storm can't be challenging, and it is, uh, but you don't have those variations in elevation. You don't have the proximity to a big body of water like you do on the eastern seaboard uh, in WABC's uh, coverage area, for example. And so, yes, every storm, no matter where you are in the globe, uh, the weather is going to be challenging. And the good thing about meteorology and the weather is that the equations, the weather, the atmosphere operates the same no matter where you are, but you have to learn the, the local terrain, the climatology of that area. But the equations still work. The, the atmosphere is the atmosphere. It's going to work the same. But there are, when you add in those, you know, the water influence and, and even the big city influence of the, you know, the urban effect of some, uh, you know, at nighttime, the temperatures are not going to get nearly as cold in the city as they are out in the suburbs and things like that. So uh, you add those other dimensions that, you know, whether forecasting overall is challenging, and then that just increases the level of difficulty uh, in in dealing with that on a day-to-day basis. And talk to me about how specifically, let's say the November storm, this last storm here in January, what was the specific differences in wind direction that impacted that storm? Because I know the wind direction coming off the ocean is a big part of it. I'll start with that, Lee, and then you could uh, chime in, but I know back in the November storm, And it was early, and, you know, our mindset at that point as well, it's so early in the season. The water temperatures are way up in the 50s. It's been a warm fall, uh, so on and so forth. And, you know, we were, you know, kind of very cautious on that. But looking back, what happened was right literally right before the storm, uh, less than 24 hours before that storm hit, there was a an unusually cold and dry air mass that came into the northeast across eastern Canada for that time of the year, for mid-November standards. It was very cold and it was very dry, and you had this dry, cold air in place, and then the storm came out quickly, and it attacked that right away. And that's always a you know warning signal for us when, you, when we see a fresh, cold air mass like that getting attacked by a storm almost instantly. And so that was what resulted in higher snow amounts everywhere, even from the D.C., Baltimore area on northeastward, uh, was because of that fresh cold air in place and dry air. And the wind direction, even though the surface map would have suggested that the winds should have been coming off the water at that time, they were more northeast or north-northeast, at least for mm-hmm. a good part of the time. And that kept, and that's, that's the whole thing, like New York City, look at the map and just the five boroughs and everything. When that wind blows out of the north, it's coming over land. North, northeast, it's still coming over land. A northeast wind, you have some component off the west end or the southwest end of Long Island Sound. So you do have some water influence, but it really has to swing around to southeast uh, to come off the ocean. And it's a big difference uh, in what happens in New York City. With this one, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Lee, but I, I I think the winds were already going almost straight east or east southeast of out ahead of this uh, this past weekend storm yeah while well, you had this you know extremely cold air mass i don't know 100 miles to uh, a couple hundred miles to our north uh we just didn't have access to it with the surface flow you know i, I remember seeing the temperatures across the area you know that evening as it was coming in it was 37 in the city and you know, our dew points were down in the mid-20s. We were going to drop a little bit, but, um, you know, our northern suburbs were in the, the low to mid-20s. And then, of course, we knew about the aggressive warming aloft. So, yeah, I mean, the, the wind direction is, is everything. I mean, just look at how deeply cold we've been able to get 
today once we start swinging that wind out of the north and are able to drain that arctic you know discharge down the hudson river valley it's a whole different story we always talk about our our lowest temperatures in central park on that on that 350 wind coming mm-hmm. out of the north so yeah no it, it means everything i mean the water temperatures are, are colder this time of year but any influence is going to compromise uh, the temperature profile so yep. that's what we dealt with with this storm and Absolutely. that also i was going to say i noticed at one point um I was on the air here at the network, and in Albany, it was 9 degrees, and it was 37 yeah. <laughs> degrees in New York mm-hmm. City, and yep. the wind direction were two different directions. Talk about snow ratios. Like, what kind of change that can make in ratios? Yeah, certainly uh, ratios uh, uh, come into play when you look at a, a, a storm that's going to give, you know, X amount of liquid um, mm-hmm. precipitation. Uh, you do have to factor in those temperatures, which have a direct effect on what the ratio, you know, the standard... 10 to 1, uh, 10 inches of snow is, is an inch of rain. I mean, that's that's the standard ratio, and that works pretty well with temperatures in the upper 20s, maybe near 30. Once you get uh, temperatures near freezing or sometimes even above, it's a very wet snow, um, those ratios are going to come down. They're going to be more like 8 to 1 or 6 to 1. If you have sleet involved and it's very dense and very heavy, it's like you know concrete, that stuff might be 4 to 1 or 5 to 1. Uh, on the other flip side of things, when it's very, very cold, you know, get temperatures in the teens, maybe mid-teens, low teens, uh, it's very dry. You might have a, a storm that's very, it has a lot of air in it, if you want to use that term. You know, you stamp your feet and it puffs away like like baby powder. That may be 20 or 25 to 1 ratios. Uh, so temperatures um, and dew points when the when the snow is falling, is, is that makes a big, big difference as to how much snow actually accumulates. Mm-hmm. And remember, in any one given storm, we can have all those ratios exemplified in the storm. So, you know, for instance, in this storm, I mean, obviously, we didn't really come in as snow down the coast. But I've frequently I've seen storms where the range in snowfall across the area from south to north is going to be zero to two feet. I mean, yeah. I've seen it many times across the area. So you could say I could be certainly talking on air and saying you're going to be moving a, a wet, heavy snow on the island and in the city, and it'll be more of a you know powdery snow in the Poconos and Catskills. So if you came on the early and said, well, snowfall from this storm is a zero to two feet. And it's That's like, right. And you're right. <laughs> you're exactly right. <laughs> you're, right. you're exactly right for your area. Now, do mm-hmm. you find, Lee, that now casting sometimes can't be avoided in these storm scenarios? And, and in fact, you kind of expect it a certain amount of time prior to one of these kind of storms? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's always a critical part of the storm. It's always an element of it. It's actually, you know, I love watching the storm. I don't love being on air during. It's funny that you'd ask this, and I think most meteorologists would love to be out in the field right in the middle of it, which I would like more than minute by minute in the kind of grueling period where you're watching the storm coming in and, and really wanting it to behave. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, it can, it, it, it can be like watching a sporting event and being like, ah, oh, you've got to be kidding me. This is my best window for snowfall rates. You know, uh, this is when the best vertical motion was over us. We should be going to town right now. And then, you know, you're almost ready to give up on it in the middle of it. And then it bails you out with, you know, 
okay, now we got one last burst in the deformation zone, and, and bang, you have your totals. So, like, that can really be, like, that's when I get all my gray hair. So I kind of <laughs> like, I like, I, I like all the forecasting and leading up and setting the table, and then I want to just watch it come in. Yeah, at least you have hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm working hard on it. <laughs> Maybe not if you stay in this job for too many years. Um, so how does the public respond to this? You know, because how do you craft your message? Uh, that's what's a kind of a really special element of WABC and what I've tried to do. Our big challenge now and is convincing people that there is greater value to the way that we present them a forecast to their mobile devices and their laptops. And one thing that we've always done is, yeah, there are maps and there are graphics and there are snow totals and seven-day AccuWeather forecasts. But if you listen to your meteorologist, and you know them and you trust them, then you will hear it in their tone, in the way that they present it, in the in the way they explain what's going into making the storm, maybe even how they explain it and either take their medicine after the storm or talk about their successes in it. I, I always like to think, and I get this feedback from my viewers, is that, but you know, I know we didn't get it, but I could, you know, you were talking about how if this happened, and I, I, I don't want it to always be a hedge on air, I don't do that, but I always like to present it to the point where they know what I'm thinking or feeling as I go into the forecast. So it's, uh, it's kind of an emotional thing. I mean, like, you just, I, I, my tone is very, I'm not all just a bullet point guy, and we never have been at Eyewitness News. It's, one, it's with a city station. Uh, we've got some edge. Our language is a little different. And I feel like I have that flexibility to go on air and be very conversational about it. Um, as I'm presenting it. So, like, I mean, I'll, I'll go on there and I'll say, listen, you know, he, here's how tight this is going to be. I could definitely see how JFK gets a coating to an inch, but yet Riverdale and the Bronx could push five or six. And, you know, it's going to be really amazing to see where this rain snow line is at 11 o'clock. And I mean, like, you just you go into it, and I just think that they know how fragile a forecast like this weekend's was, and you come out with a victory even if, you know, there were some uh, – bust along the way yeah i and that's that i 100 percent agree with you lee and even like on 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 our personal basis when we're talking and and going over details of the forecast and and tweaks and adjustments and everything i know you've even told me you could tell even by my tone of voice if we were discussing something if there's concern there it's like you know lee i this is what we got but boy i'm really you know you could tell and and so we feed off of each other uh, at the, the that same method, that same exactly what you were describing, uh, the way you and I work together, we could tell by the tone of each other's voice, you know, if there's concern there. Yeah, Regina, you know, what, one of the things that I think makes it special, makes the forecast as effective as it is, is we really rip apart a storm. I mean, I, I said to Dave over the weekend, and that's another thing, listen, there's no, there's no days off. I mean, we could reach out to each other whenever we want. We joke sometimes that I have a vacation index where <laughs> I have returned I have returned from vacations on numerous, you know, snow events. Yes. And so as I'm leading up to the vacation, we always judge my vacation index to, you know, <laughs> how high is it? You know, what's the probability I'm coming home? Yeah. Um, but dialing it back, you know, 
I talked to Dave over the weekend. I said, you know, Dave, we, we looked at all those soundings. We took every different place. We allowed for this and that. And it's very frustrating, you know, to study it that hard and really think that, okay, we've got a pretty good handle on this, you know, and then for the, you know, for it kind of be ripped away at the last second, you know, that was very frustrating. But th at the same time, that's still going to be a good lesson down the road. It's still of great value. And, you know, like we'll do it on a summer day on, you know, will the park reach 90? So it's, right. uh, that's what it's like. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Lee? I'm very thankful for the, the entire, you know, situation that's worked out in my career. You know, AccuWeather um, and, and the meteorologist that I first worked with on weekends, including Dave, really helped break me into the market. I mean, it was more, it was more weighted on them at the time in terms of learning from them uh, a lot of the details and nuances in the area it, it made me a better forecaster and now we're in this you know sort of sweet spot um, I know we started out uh, talking a little bit about football uh, before we started this you know <laughs> but you know but we're, we're kind of the New England Patriots of, uh, of meteorology here and, and, and television and, and weather so it's it's kind of cool <laughs> or from, or from, from, I'm a Steelers from, fan I'm a Steelers <laughs> fan Lee well, I, for, I, I and for my New York viewers you know if you, yeah. look at the, you know if you look at the Yankees all time you know kind of the Yankees although I could say my Bo Sox too yeah. might, as well, might as well fit that in well but, I um, th thank you for doing this it was it's great to be a part of it you know I'm a uh, like many of us in meteorology uh, you know I'm a kid who loved the weather and, and it was blizzard of 78 that started my career and I'm just doing what I love and I get to work with a lot of great people and I'm thankful for it it, it was a pleasure to do something like this and can okay. I ask you Lee where can people find you on social media Oh, well, all, all platforms all the time. Full disclosure, as we're doing this, I posted the uh, the lunar eclipse video that I acquired. I posted another <laughs> wind chill check. I reposted a live update that my fellow meteorologists were doing. So, I mean, like, it never stops. But uh, it's basically always Lee Goldberg ABC7 on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Okay, so you've been multitasking the whole time. You're a true New Yorker now. You're, you're multitasking. you got to do it. you got to <laughs> yeah. do it. All right. Thanks so much, Lee. All right. Take care. Right, take care. You Lee. too. Well, and we really appreciate our guests taking time with us, meteorologist Lee Goldberg of WABC and our own meteorologist Dave Dombeck here at AccuWeather. Now, we go from one type of expert, guys, next week to a totally different kind of expert. So we are going to be talking about Punxsutawney Phil <laughs> and the winter forecast. Groundhog Day right around the corner coming up on uh, February 2nd. Da, 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 is that okay. the music? What? See, I haven't seen the music. Uh, Pennsylvania polka. polka. Is that the, is that you the movie? You haven't seen Groundhog Day? I have not seen Groundhog Day, and I hail from central possible? Pennsylvania. You know what? I'm going to go home and rent it. So we're actually talking to one of Punxsutawney Phil's handlers. It's going to be a pretty fun podcast, so tune in. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to AccuWeather's Everything Under the Sun, giving you the stories behind the weather and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or visit AccuWeather.com slash podcast. 
Let's get this dinner party started.